Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I am your host, Matt Filipovitz. That's right, for the first time ever, they've given me the keys to the car. I am in complete control. Uh, my dominance of this website, uh, which no longer exists and now podcast, is finally complete. I've defeated the final boss, and I am joined by two phenomenal co-hosts in alphabetical order, Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello. How are you? One, calm down. Two, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And I am also joined by Nick Polak out there in Seattle. Nick, hello. How are you? From intern to podcast host, this has truly been a meteoric rise for you. Very impressive. They, they said the kid couldn't do it, and I don't know who they are. But like Michael Jordan, you just have to make up some haters if you want to get to the mountaintop. I, so, I was, I was going to say, can you do me a favor and can you run through every single hater that you have? Um... <laughs> I don't think I have very many. I probably have hate. People probably hate me on the internet. I'm fine with that. I tweeted something about Ryan Day being on the hot seat today, and some Ohio State fan is like attacking mm. me over their oh, rushing yeah. stats in 2020. So yes. that dude just couldn't just couldn't take the joke. So he probably hates me. But I'm that's fine. one. Oh, that's it's the best thing to do. The <laughs> best thing to do. Uh, so why I am I am in the host chair today is because I have created a bit of a game for us to play. Uh, we are going to be doing hypothetical over-unders for this upcoming Penn State season. I know Bill literally just released uh, season win total over-unders uh, a couple days ago, but now we're going to focus purely on Penn State and things that will happen within Penn State's roster and for Penn State this upcoming season. Uh, so I have nine over-unders. Uh, again, I am not a bookie. I made this up in about 25 minutes, and I think they're all lovely. So any criticism or feedback, be sure to tweet at PSUMAT2005, uh, and I will get your complaints there. Uh, so to start things off, Bill and Nick, the first over-under for Penn State football this season, over-under 39 and a half sacks. Bill, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to go under on this one. This is one of the few rare, incredibly rare, impossibly rare, just I can't put into words how rare this is moments where someone on the podcast actually did homework uh, before we popped into this. And the reason I'm taking the under is that while I think Manny Diaz is going to want to bring pressure from all over the place, if you look at how sacks tend to break down in college football, last season, 15 teams had 40 or more sacks in all of college football. In 2019, obviously skipping the 2020 season because of the pandemic. 2019, the number was 11, 2018, 13, 2017, 16, 2016, 8. On average, that's about 13 schools in college football having, you know, 39 and a half, so 40 or more sacks, one in every 10 schools that works out to. Potentially Penn State's three best pass rushers along the defensive line are going to be Chop, should be Chop, Chop Robinson, Hakeem Beeman, Adisa Isaac, three guys who through injury or other reason, were not on this team last year. The only linebacker I trust to get that kind of penetration is Curtis Jacobs, and who knows with the defensive backs. And then you look at Manny Diaz's history of running defenses. Again, I'm going to look back in the last five years, but take out 2020 for obvious reasons. Last year, Miami had 33 sacks. 2019, they hit 40 on the nose. 2018, when he was Miami's defensive coordinator, they had 44, which led the nation. 2017, they had 37. 2016, they had 26. I think shooting for as many sacks as possible is great, obviously, but I do think this number would be a little bit high. I'm going to go a bit under. Okay, totally fair. Nick, over to you. I would love to say over, but I think one of the things you have to consider is, one, do you think that somebody is going to top what Arnold Ebicady did last year with nine and a half sacks? I think that's the starting point, and I'm not so sure. I think Adisa Isaac has the potential to do that. Like we probably thought he had the potential to do that last year, right? Um, but I, I, I think the, I think there's two main things working against Penn State being as prolific when it comes to sacks as Miami was. Like Bill just read off those numbers for one. Teams in the Big Ten typically just run the ball more. Like I just think there won't be as many opportunities to rack up sacks at quite that rate. But the other factor is that it seems like when the Big Ten teams that Penn State's set to face this year, when they do throw the ball, typically we've seen them get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Like C.J. Stroud, not a guy who's going to hold the ball. Aiden O'Connell, not a guy who's going to hold the ball. Peyton Thorne, not a guy who's going to hold the ball. 
Um, even Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, probably not guys who are going to throw hold hold the ball all that much. Um, so I I think they might get close. I I might feel comfortable if this number had been like thirty five and a half. I might have been more tempted to go with the over just because I think the talent of Adisa Isaac and Hakeem Beeman. And then if he is able to, you know, overtake Tarburton for the majority of the snaps of the snaps, chop Robinson, I think the potential is there to be pretty prolific in that regard. But I think 39 and a half is just a little too high. So I'll go uh, under. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go over slightly. Uh, and Penn State had that good run where they had multiple years in a row of 40 sacks with Sean Spencer and with Brent Pry. I don't think this current group of edge rushers and defensive linemen is as talented as like the Shaka Tone, Itor Grossmatos, uh, Odafe Owe combo. But I think we can see more coverage sacks. Like I think Penn State's secondary is good enough to get quarterbacks to second guess, to uh, to clutch the ball a little bit more. I think that's going to give guys an extra half second or two to get home and get to the quarterback. So I'm going to go very, very, very slightly over. Uh, just just feels like a place where they can live just with how aggressive Manny Diaz wants to be uh, with how talented this secondary is to, to get quarterbacks to hang on to the ball a little bit more. So if I if I may just say one thing, it's going to be really, really, really funny if Nick and I go under on all of these numbers that Matt came up with and then Matt goes over on all of these numbers that Matt came up with. I'm just throwing this out there for absolutely no reason. We do not know what each other said, but I I, I just want to put that out there. Also, uh, I do have a few where I go over. So neither here nor there. But I'm going to toss a general sentiment. I'm going to toss a wild card in here, too. If Daquan Hardy has three or more sacks then I think this number goes over. I'm going to toss right, that we've in. Men- That's we've, we've mentioned Hakeem Beeman and Daquan Hardy. We can end the podcast now. We've We're covered done. all our bases. Box all is right. checked. Uh, We're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but moving on, uh, Bill and Nick, and Nick, we'll start with you here. Over under one and a half running backs to have a 100-yard game. The coveted Penn State running back 100-yard game. Over. This is easy. Uh, I like I said on our running backs podcast. I, despite my feelings on Kevon Lee, I actually think he goes over 100 yards in the first game against Purdue. Um, and then from there, I, I mean, Nick Singleton could go over 100 100 yards the very next week. I I don't think this one is particularly close in my mind. I I think I I would feel pretty comfortable saying I'm going to say there's probably six games in total this year where a running back has at least 100 yards. I just think that the offensive line is going to be just much, much, much better. I think the running back room is much, much improved. Uh, This is an easy over for me. All right. Bill, over to you. I'm going to take under, and I'm taking the under for one very specific reason, and it is that I think Nick Singleton is just going to win this running back job, and I think he's going to take it away from – I think he's going to be so good that it's going to be difficult to take him off the field enough that it's going to justify – giving Kayvon Lee enough carries that he is able to have uh, a 100-yard rushing game. I, Whether it's him, whether it's Devin Ford, uh, whether it is uh, whether it is Katron Allen, whomever it might be, I just don't know if any of those guys, if Singleton is able to establish himself, which I really do think he is going to do, are going to get much of an opportunity. And then the other thing to consider here is that Kayvon Lee, the guy who I think we presume is going to, if someone else is going to get one other than Singleton, I think we would presume that it's going to be Kayvon Lee. It's a number that he's reached once in his career. He's come within 10 yards of reaching it one other time. He's more of that. He'll rush for four or five yards per carry. So let's say he runs for five yards per carry throughout this season do we think there is going to be the kind of game if he keeps up with that average where he is getting 20 some odd carries I'm a little bit skeptical of that consider this more a bet on Nick Singleton and the bet against Kayvon Lee or anybody else hey real quick local idiot here misheard and misread this question I thought it was just 100 yard games by running back but I'm still going over because like I said I think Kayvon Lee does it week (laughs) one and then I think Nick Singleton will end up doing it I think actually Katron Allen will end up doing it as well so still over. oh wow going three of them okay all right I'm going I'm with Bill I'm on the under here 
uh, just because I don't think that there's going to be enough carries to go around for multiple guys to be able to cross that threshold and also for Sean Clifford to get his uh, obligatory carries that he's going to have to get for this offense to run the way they want it to. So give me the under, and I think uh, I think Singleton is the one back who gets that 100-yard game, and I think he does it multiple times. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right, we're going to stick – uh, kind of in the same vein here. And this one assumes no injuries, which is a bad assumption because guys always get hurt. But assuming no injuries on this front, or assume injuries, I don't care. I just make up the rules as I go. Do whatever you want. Over under six and a half offensive linemen to start a game. Bill, over to you. Well, I'm going to assume over because I think Landon Tangwall suffers a terrible hip flexor injury that causes <laughs> him to. Uh, no, uh, my oh answer God. here is I'm 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 taking the under uh, on this one on six and a half. I think when you look at the offensive line, you look at who are the guys in that backup pool who could potentially start a game. Do we think? And I'm just going off of uh, the depth chart in front of me from our lads. You look at left tackle Olu. Olu Fashanu, do we think he is going to lose out on the starting left tackle job to Jimmy Christ? I don't think so. I think he has that. I think he has that one pretty confidently in the bag with how they've just been going with him all, uh, all offseason. There hasn't seemed to be any noise that he could lose the job, which is the case for basically everyone in the offensive line. Do we think J.B. Nelson can take the left guard spot from Landon Tengwall? I don't. Do we think Nick Dawkins can take the center job from Juice Scruggs. I don't. Do we think Bryce Effner could take the tack, right tackle job from Caden Wallace? Probably not. Uh, Effner is a guy who's been in the program forever. Maybe he is able he, – he's the one guy who I think could swing this. The only backup who Ooh. I think has the potential to who, – who I would write in as a guy who I think will get a start at some point this year for one reason or another. It does seem like they're very high on Hunter Norzad, the uh, – transfer from Cornell, but he is backing up Sal Wormley, who is apparently by all accounts had a really, really good camp. So I will take the under on this one. I think that, I think that with how um, maligned the offensive line has been over the years, the less um, shuffling they have and the less trying to go, how does this guy look here? This guy looks here. The less they do of that, the better. And as a result, I just don't know who of those backups other than Norzad and then Efner is the guy with the asterisk on him, have the potential to break into that starting five-man group that it sounds like the Nittany Lions are going to throw out there. Nicholas, to you. Uh, so first, I assume we're just talking regular season, because obviously if we go bowl game, then that throws us all out of whack. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, okay. I planned yeah. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, ugh. This, I honestly, this is the one that uh, when I looked at, I was the most conflicted about. Um, I think if everything goes according to plan, then I think, like Bill said, this should be under, especially if we're not gonna, you know, not gonna presume injuries or anything. But the fact that we have seen Efner play at several different spots already, and we know how highly the staff thinks of him, combined with the fact that we know they really like what they've seen from J.B. Nelson and Hunter Norzad, and we know that, and I think we've all read that, you know, maybe Landon Tengwall is performing well in camp, but not necessarily separating himself from the competition at left guard. It kind of makes me want to go with the over just because you know we've seen them i i don't think it's necessarily out of the realm of possibility that against like Rutgers they they decide they want to get bryce effner a start at right tackle or something like that and i think that we could very easily see uh somebody else starting at left guard instead of Tengwall early on in the year just you know to get somebody else the experience of the start because I I think last year was an important lesson for Penn State in terms of making sure they have their backups ready and available at all times and we've seen them do this before like we've seen them give offensive linemen starts here and there just to you know make sure that they have that experience so I I'm going to go over at exactly the number seven if I may interject here, 
Um, you mentioned that with Tangwall. I think we would all be in agreement that he is the most talented guy. Oh, I, I, oh no question. As a recruit, he's the most – So do you really think they would take snap – takes serious playing time away from him, especially – you know, if he hasn't grabbed onto that job and taken it, do we really think they would take those opportunities to grow and develop away from him unless he is just a total horror show, total turnstile guy who can't uh, just straight up cannot get the job done at this level, which sounds unlikely? No, I don't. But I don't think it's out of the question that they do something like start J.B. Nelson, he gets the first drive or two, and then it's Tengwall the rest of the way. I don't I don't think that they would be opposed to doing something like that at multiple spots even just to get backups get get the guys who are on the second string right now that experience of starting off the game in probably a lower stakes environment right like against a um against a Rutgers against a sad to say Indiana against the teams that don't look as strong on the schedule I don't think that is necessarily out of the question Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm going under. I'm going exactly six. Uh, I think we learned from Dan's snap counts, you know, offensive line really doesn't rotate all that much. Uh, and if anything does, it's really usually the tackles. Like I know Des Holmes for years kind of filled a, a little bit of a stopgap to kind of give guys some breathers. But I think if if guys need breaks, uh, especially at tackle, I think they may even shift Tangwall out there for a drive or two, and then bring in Norzad. Um, so that kind of brings us to that six. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stand firm at six dudes to get a start. Cool. All right. Next one, Bill. We will start with you again. Over under five and a half players to record an interception. So here's my first over. Uh, I think in, over the last couple of years, Penn State has pretty consistently had five, six, seven guys uh, recording at least one interception. Then you look at Manny Diaz coming in. We know his uh, desire to create turnovers, havoc plays, that sort of things. Since 2016, Miami has hit this over every single year. 2017, Miami actually had nine guys record an interception. So I'm going to take the over here. I think when you look at the, the talent in Penn State's defensive backfield mixed with how we know they like to rotate guys back there, I mean, I think you can pencil in Joey Porter, Jair Brown, Daquan Hardy, all getting at least one. So I need, can some combination of Kalen King, Marquise Wilson, Zaki Wheatley, Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, Johnny Dixon, literally every linebacker each get one? I think so. So I will take the over here. Okay. Okay. I may have set this one too low. I changed it actually right before we recorded. I had this originally a player higher. Nick, are you are you also taking what could be seen by as free money by some? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also going over here. So last year, Penn State had seven different players record an interception, uh, and I think this year's defense is not only, especially the secondary, is not only more talented, and I think more in a position to be better ball hawks with which with what seems like it'll be a better pass rush. But like Bill mentioned, the introduction of Manny Diaz is just going to be a more aggressive defense overall. Uh, but yeah, I'd be surprised if, yeah, Porter, Dixon, King, Wheatley, Brown, Hardy, like I, I think all those guys get at least one pick. I think Jalen Reed could very easily get a pick. I think he'll see some pretty decent playing time this year. Keaton Ellis. I'm sure we'll have like a random, you know, last year we had the Jesse Laqueta one-handed interception. Like there's going to be something weird oh, yeah, like that at that. some point. Yeah, there's going to be something weird like that. So I, yeah, this is an easy over for me. All right. I'm going over as well. Uh, I should have left this at six and a half, but I think uh, I think a lot of dudes are going to get multiple interceptions, but I really think they're going to they're gonna share the share the wealth a good bit and please have a turnover chain. Like that would just be so, <laughs> who, who's your pick for uh, for leading the team? In picks. Uh, I I mean, I think the easy answer is Jair Brown. He just did it last year. He had six. Uh, what, tied for the lead in the country, I believe it was, yep. too. I think that's the easy answer. I wonder if he ends up playing a little bit, um, moves into the Jaquan Brisker role a little bit, where he has a, little, a few more responsibilities, and that kind of takes him away from the ability to roam the field as much as he did. Um, I'd love to be able to say Joey Porter Jr. Like I'd love to have a cornerback just 
completely erase one side of the field, but I'll, I'll say Brown. I'll go safe. Well, well, the thing is, if cornerback erases one side of the field, Joey Porter Jr.'s maybe getting one interception. Only, you know? Right, right. I guess, so that was I my guess not, a, too. not a races as in like... No, I, I know. Throw you, there. I, I know what you I know mean. What you, like you don't. Yeah, yeah You don't mean. You don't mean like Darrell Revis, but the entire right. thing is that like I don't think this Penn State secondary has that one guy who defenses are going to go out of their way to try to avoid. So I don't think it'll be a situation where like you know we're not throwing to the side of the field that Joey Porter Jr. is on. We're not going to throw in the middle of the field because we know Jair Brown's hanging out over there. So I think that really helps in this endeavor. And yeah, I'll take Brown. I think that's you know. I don't want to say it's a cop out because common sense isn't a cop out. And I, I think if you're just using common sense, you have to pick Jair Brown for this. Yeah, I'm there's going, no there's King. no there's no Raiders era Namdi Asmoa on this defense. You, Still you the could cr- have give I could have bet a thousand dollars that you would not mention Namdi Asmoa. I never would have, <laughs> never would have guessed that guy's name would be mentioned again. I, still, I thought for still the coolest nickname in the NFL for my money when he was on the Raiders and he was nicknamed the Black Death. That was awesome. Oh my god. I was watching the the Cubs Cardinals game a couple days ago, and the pitcher for the um, the Cardinals nickname was the Lizard King. And I looked up why he ate a lizard in the bullpen in the Arizona Fall League in 2011. And was that Michaelis? I, yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. Wow, you had that at the top of your dome. That's impressive. Well done. I, it's not. It's just I know if there's one dude on the Cardinals who would have that nickname, it's Maz Michaelis. So okay, easy, right. easy, low hanging fruit. Fair. Uh, speaking of transitions. Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is the official sponsor of Roar Lions Roar. If you don't know about Home Field, what are you doing? They are one of the absolute coolest, most fun, most unique brands for collegiate apparel on the internet today. Their shirts are comfy. They're unique. I think both myself and Nick are rocking home field apparel shirts right now from their new Penn State collection that launched as the penultimate school of Big New Saturday. Uh, Big New Saturday has now come to an end because Penn State retired it from our pure dominance. Uh, We became the number one school in Big New Saturday. It was never a doubt. Uh, As Joe Moorhead said, there are no 50-50 balls. We view them as 100 and zero balls. Uh, So with that being said, with Homefield being our official sponsor, you can go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all uppercase, and you will get 15% off your first order. Not just Penn State stuff is great. They have all kinds of different schools. Uh, I know there's a lot of Penn State fans out there who went to different schools around PA. They got Slippery Rock, which is super cool. Uh, They have Pitt, if you're one of the weirdos, like a couple of my former roommates who are from Pittsburgh and don't despise Pitt despite going to Penn State. If you're one of those weirdos, they have Pitt. Uh, But they have a ton of really, really fun stuff. Uh, I actually got a couple t-shirts from them and a crew neck, and I am very excited for it to be cold again so I can rock those crew necks. Again, that's 15% off your first order with promo code ROARLIONSROAR at checkout. Thank you to Homefield for being super cool and super fun. Yay, Homefield. Cool. Moving on. We are going to shift a little bit now from the defensive side of the ball with that interception question to people who could be throwing interceptions. So let's start with you, Nick. Over under one and a half games played for five-star freshman Drew Aller. I am going to go under. Okay. And I didn't think I was going to go under until about five minutes ago, but I have I have landed on the under now. I do think that they are going to do everything they can to find a situation to bring him in where it's not just like entirely backups on both sides of the field. I think they would handoff like to... duty. You don't want him to just do handoff duty. Yeah, I think they'll try to find like a maybe like a like late third quarter against Rutgers. Like Penn State hasn't gone wholesale substitution mode yet. I think they'll try to find an opportunity to get him just a series at least with mostly starting players. But the reason that I say under is I think when James Franklin is look, thinking long term, I don't think that even, I mean, we know pretty clearly Christian Vare is the backup quarterback right now, and it doesn't sound necessarily like Aller is terribly close to unseating him from that role right now. 
I think that James Franklin, as any coach would, wants Christian Veyer to still be here, at least for the next, uh, at least for spring camp when the quarterback competition starts in earnest. And I think if you, if I think if Aller gets out there, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's also very easy to see a situation where Veyer plays in like three games and, you know, he's the first guy off the bench and then Aller comes in for like the last 10 minutes, like eight minutes, whatever. So I, this very easily could go over too, but I think they want to give Veyer as many opportunities as they can give him to, you know, continue to grow as a player, because I, I think they want to show him that he's still, you know, he has a chance at the starting job next year, even though if the cards are pretty heavily stacked in Aller's favor. So I'm going to go under. So it's not like a talent knock thing. It's a, it's a roster management thing for you. Yes. Okay. All right. That's fair. Bill. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this schedule, you look at what are the games where a backup quarterback could come in? Not going to be Purdue, not going to be Auburn, not going to be Michigan, probably not going to be Minnesota, not going to be Ohio state. (laughs) It could be Ohio state in one direction. (laughs) In, in one direction, that's right. And then I would say not going to be Maryland just because I think like I think that game is too explosive. Yeah. yeah, and not going to be Michigan State. So you look at the games where a backup could come in. Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, at Indiana, at Rutgers. I don't think either of – I don't think Indiana is going to be the kind of game where it's such a blowout that you can bring in the backups until very late – and get like I think that game is just knowing how Penn State and Indiana football games go even though I don't think Indiana is going to be very good Penn State's going to have to work to keep them at arm's length for most of that game Rutgers sure maybe we'll throw that one in there so let's let's dog your Rutgers for a second you look through the rest of the schedule Ohio week two backups are going to come in at some point in that game in all likelihood and Christian Bayer is going to be the backup for that game Central Michigan, I would bet the exact same thing. And if memory serves, and I could be 100% wrong here, in the past when Penn State has gone from its backup quarterback to a third guy coming in to take, you know, hand it off once or twice, take a knee, they're going to a walk-on and they're saying, hey, listen, senior guy, we're really happy for the concert, for everything you've done for this program. Get on out there, take a few snaps, take a few knees, lose a few yards, that sort of thing. So the games where the I'm DJ looking... Crook roll. The, yeah, or like Mason. Wow, what a throwback! Billy Fessler, now uh, uh, on the Akron offensive coordinator, I think. Ri- rising coaching superstar Billy Fessler. Like yeah, yeah, something on Jomo's staff. So then you look at that. Say that game against Northwestern, for example. Go Cats. Do we think that by week five, Penn State is going to be in a position where they're going to get one if they are even blowing out Northwestern by that much? Which Northwestern's. Uh, road Big Ten games last year. They lost 56-7 to Nebraska, 33-7 to Michigan, 35-7 to Wisconsin, 47-14 to Illinois. I don't think they're going to be very good in that football game. So do we think that by week five, Penn State's coaching staff is going to say, Drew, get on out there. Let's see what you can do. Christian, Sorry, buddy, but in the games that we've seen against Ohio and Central Michigan, we just don't think you're going to be the backup quarterback anymore. I'd say no. I think you have to look at this strategically and you have to be wary of a situation like Sean Clifford against Iowa last year. What was the problem in Sean Clifford against Iowa? It was that the backup quarterback had no idea what he was doing in that sort of situation because he had never really gotten any sort of opportunity to go into a football game, get as many snaps as possible. Unless you think Drew Aller is going to unseat Christian Bayer at some point in that season, I just don't know if it is worth doing that. So maybe by the end of the season, maybe against Rutgers or something like that, getting Aller in there is the smart move so he can finally see action against some live defenses. But all the games where I think Penn State's going to put a backup quarterback, the lion's share of the games where Penn State's going to put in a backup quarterback are going to be before the bye and right as you're gearing up for getting into the meat of your Big Ten schedule. And I just don't think they're going to be putting Drew Aller in when they know they have a guy who has established himself as the backup quarterback. Okay. Okay. I can see that happening. 
Uh, give me the uh, give me the over because uh, yeah, I know I knew I was I, the next word I was going to end by saying and now Matt's going to take the over. <laughs> yeah, Franklin literally said at media day this year that they have to do a better go- job getting their backups in, and look what happened last year. The third string guy had to be ready, and he was a true freshman. I don't see a reason why that shouldn't be the case again this year if you have the opportunity to. Uh, I think two is is pretty realistic. I think Central Michigan well, and well, if I may. If I may yes. for a second, hit me. Why did why was the third did the third string guy become the backup? Because they oh. didn't give the backup enough opportunities, so that when he got into a football game, it was a disaster. But but Veyer's already had his opportunities, though. That's the difference. And what's he done? And what's he done in those opportunities? Very well, very very. So well. why but- so why would Drew Auer be in a position where he takes the job away? I mean, none of us thought that, and even going back to 2020, none of us really thought Will Levis was going to get any reps. None of us thought Taquan Robinson would get any reps. None of us dreamed Christian Veyer would get any reps. Like, this randomness is in Penn State's quarterback room after years of consistency because somehow Hack never missed a game. I have no idea what deal with the devil he made to never have to really miss a game. Uh, and then McSorley never really missed a game. Like, it, it, we were due for this. So I, I just think that, randomness is going to happen and after franklin's comments of he has to know who's ready amongst his guys i just don't see why the third string quarterback you know wouldn't apply there when it applied last year as a quick aside can i i I feel like a lot of people have overrated what christian Vera did last year if you take out the 67 yard wide open touchdown to malik mega it was pretty I'm not not I, I think he's really right, he's, talented. And I think he's, he's gonna get a lot better, but yeah. I feel like there's this perception out there that he looked like a like sure he looked like Will like capable of what Will Levis was capable of doing, for example. And I don't think that's the case just yet. Okay. All right. That's that's a pretty good point. I'd have to go back and, and rewatch that Rutgers game. I got a haircut during that game in the middle of it, I remember, because my barber moved my appointment. That one was fun. Um, anyway. We, we need a whole podcast about the stories of your barber, because he is yeah. quite the dude. Yeah, he's awesome. He's an absolute <laughs> maniac. Love that dude. Uh, anyway, so we're going to go from the quarterback of uh, hopefully Penn State's future to the quarterback of Penn State present, Sean Clifford, over under. 24 and a half touchdowns. Nick, we will start with you. Firstly, this is a very well designed over under considering that his career high is 23 in a season. Who, so kudos. who said, who said I don't research Come kudos on. to you. Come on. Um, oh. like millions of Americans. I did my own research this year too. <laughs> I, um, I want to say over, I really do think that Sean Clifford is going to have a really strong season. I think that everything is in place for the passing game in particular to be really strong. Uh, we've taught, I know if you go back and listen to our wide receiver preview, offensive line preview, tight end preview, I think we've spoken pretty effusively about those groups is even the offensive line. Yes. You heard me say that correctly, but I'm going to go under just because I think the running game is a massive improvement over last year. And I think that they end up just punching the ball in on the ground enough to the point that Sean Clifford doesn't have to go beyond 24 touchdown passes. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended with exactly 24, honestly, but I think anything beyond that, I just don't think is going to be necessary. And I think they're going to want to give their running backs those opportunities to kind of punch it into the end zone to really just leave last year behind them. So I'm going to go under just by a hair. Okay. All right. Bill, I am going to go over here and this is probably the oh, one wow. that I feel probably the one I feel the most confident on. Here's why. Wow. Everything that we have said about Sean Clifford going into the season, first time he's had an offensive coordinator for two years in a row, better offensive line, better running game, all those sorts of things, lends to him having his best, you know, he's a sixth-year quarterback, a fourth-year starter. All of that lends to him having his best season, which would put him at, at the bare minimum, 24. And then you consider that last year he got 21. Okay. 21, despite playing a quarter and a half against Iowa, despite playing a game against Illinois when he was so physically compromised it wasn't even funny, and playing like two drives against Rutgers. 
So he, for, I will say for all intents and purposes, he played, he missed out on a game and a half last year. And then whatever the hell was up with him physically during the Illinois game where he couldn't do much of anything. Assuming there are no injuries. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have the Kenny Pickett season. I'm not going to sit here and say he's thrown for 50 touchdowns. You know, there's the, uh, document I have where if he throws for 43 touchdowns, he's the big tens all time leader in passing touchdowns, which like, that's obviously not going to happen, but do I think he can get to 25 to 30? Yes. I think very easily. And I'm pretty confident that's going to end up happening, which if he throws 30 touchdown passes, the list of people in big 10 history who will have more passing touchdowns than Sean Clifford is JT Barrett. And that's it. What a company. Here's the, elite, here's the, an elite so list. here it is leader, leader, all time passing touchdowns in the big 10 JT Barrett with 104 rest of the top five, Drew Brees with 90 Chad Henney with 87 oh. Trace McSorley with 77 Adam Weber with 72 Clifford has 62 Tanner Morgan has 56 all time passing yards. We'll do this one just for fun. Brees is the all time leader with 11,792 rest of the top five, Curtis Painter, Adam Weber, Clayton Thorson, and uh, Brett Bassanez, I one of the older listeners is going to be a little bit upset about that. And I apologize, guys. Morgan's at stunned 8, 000, by Clayton Thorson. <laughs> yes, Morgan's at eight thousand seventy-two. Sean Sean is at seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-nine. So if Clifford has a year where he throws for four thousand yards and forty-five touchdowns, he's the Big Ten's leader in both of those. But whatever. Is the Big Ten the Power Five conference? It's bad. It, with it's bad. The, Nick, with Nick, the funniest Nick, quarterback records. Nick, it's bad. Yeah. It's oh my bad. God. Yeah. Like, we don't. We don't we don't need anything else other than to say it's bad. I mean, it's even like big... even Jay like and not even not even bad. Like I understand the numbers are not great just on on that level. But even too, like looking at the Big Ten compared to the other conferences, when you look at like the leaders and what they went on to do in their professional careers, oh. which in the Big Ten's case is essentially nothing outside of Drew Brees. I wonder if the other conferences kind of look as funny in that regard. Like if we looked at the SEC's top five passing yard leaders like would it be as full of guys Man, that just o- did nothing in the nfl if only we have um all information directly at our fingertips and i can pull it up in the next it's true seconds. but i'm very um, worried about having a crystal clear video so i'm not gonna one, do that to my internet one aaron murray two <laughs> drew Locke, three david green four chris week five peyton manning okay nick, right, nick that's pretty good which nick is emotionally invested in drew Locke this year so let's move on uh. He's not uh, for me, under for Gina. me, uh, under for me, too many, uh, too many running backs are going to score under for me on cliff. All right, Bill, over to you guys catching the football over under three and a half players with at least 40 catches. Okay. So before we started, I told Matt that he was out of his goddamn mind for one of these. This is the one that I think he is out of his goddamn mind for. And here is why. Penn State has had this once since 2016, and it was the 2017 season when they had Mike Kosicki, Saquon Barkley, Juwan Johnson, and Deshaun Hamilton. I believe all those guys were in the 50-ish range. So then I decided to look at Mike Yurcich's numbers at Oklahoma State and whether or not he was able to accomplish this. And the answer is, in his time as offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, 2013, he didn't. 2014, he didn't. 2015, he didn't. 2016, he didn't. 2017, he did. 2018, he didn't. Okay, maybe that was just a Mike Yurcich thing or a Penn State thing. Let's look at Ohio State, the best offense in America over the last few years. Again, we're going to take out the 2020 season for obvious reasons. 2001, they didn't do this. 2019, they didn't do this. 2018, they didn't do this. 2017, they didn't do this. 2016, they didn't do this. So then I thought, what if we look at Alabama? Because Alabama has also been an insane offense over the last few years. 2021, they didn't do it. 2019, they didn't do it. 2018, they did it. 2017, they didn't do it. 2016, they didn't do it. Which is all to say, I think four guys catching 40 or more balls is an air raid thing. And I think it's a video game thing. I don't think it's a thing you can bank on with any confidence as being realistic under on this one. Okay, fair. Totally fair. So, Matthew. Oh, Nick's going over so hard. I 
I first of all, I'd like to say I very much understand why you set this number at three and a half. And I'm going to walk you through what I think your thought process was last year. Jahan Dotson, 91 catches. Parker Washington, 64. Keandre Lambert-Smith, 34. Brenton Strange, 20. Theo Johnson, 19. Noah Kane, 19. I am assuming that you are anticipating that Tinsley gets, you know, maybe 50 of Jahan's catches. Uh, We see Parker Washington stay about the same, if not uptick a little bit. As a result of those, the rest of those Jahan Dotson catches not all going to Tinsley, we see Wash, uh, Lambert Smith maybe tick up a little bit, and then we see one of Brenton Stranger Theo Johnson get above that 40 number. That's where I'm anticipating you got this three and a half from. And, you're close, but that's not quite it. Oh, that's Or maybe one of the running backs sneaks in yes. there somehow. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're thinking now. So... I I very much understand the thought process, but I think it's just a bit optimistic. If this number had been 35, maybe then I could talk myself into the over. But I just don't think that the way this offense succeeds is by surpassing this number. I think that would imply... Two things. One, one of two things. One, they either ignore the run game, or two, the run game is unsuccessful. And if the run game is unsuccessful, this number isn't happening for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, Maybe some, maybe because the offensive line is bad, whatever it is. So I very much understand where you are getting this from. And I don't think that they'll necessarily be far away from doing it, but I'm going to have to go under here because history does not uh agree with the over here okay all right totally fair i'm gonna stun you both and go with the under i (laughs) thought two and a half was too easy like i I honestly two and a half three guys catching 40 balls seems like a lock to me um it's the last one that i thought would have been interesting you don't think so bill i think that if things if this offense is humming one guy is going to be the alpha dog wide receiver and the I don't want to say it's as one-sided as it was last year, but I think Clifford would have his guy he likes going to Parker Washington as his safety blanket, and then just a hodgepodge of everybody else. I think I think that if there were three guys to do this, I would not be especially stunned. Again, well, the other thing I didn't mention, uh, Mike Yurcich at Oklahoma State all those years, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, uh, 17 was the year he had four. Only two of those years he had three guys uh, who were able to hit that 40 catch mark. So uh, it's not something that is necessarily a staple of his offense for the ball to even be spread around that much. Okay. While right. I agree That's with the, the o- I agree with the overall point Bill made, but I'm, I'm not sure I agree with the fact that there will be an alpha dog necessarily. I don't think any of these three guys necessarily profiles as, I mean, I guess Jahan Dotson doesn't really profile as an alpha dog either. So maybe that's an unfair statement, but I I do, I do think it's going to be spread around a bit more, but that's mostly because I remain, I remain a steadfast Keandre Lambert Smith believer. And I think he's due for a step up. My thing with, with, with your point, Bill, is that all those offenses had first round wide receivers. Like they had dudes who you had to feed the ball. I don't think Penn State has that surefire first round receiver, so you have to spread the ball. That would be that would be my loan my loan pushback there. Uh, but I'm I'm under here. I think exactly three uh, Tinsley uh, P Dub um, and give me a uh, give me Singleton out of the backfield. I think he'll have a lot of catches. Speaking of running backs, well, I am killing transitions today. This stuff is easy. Look at me, <laughs> Bill. We'll start with you. Over under. 650 and a half rushing yards for Penn State's leading rusher. I'll go with the over. I mean, I'm a big Nick Singleton guy, as I've made 100% clear on here. I think that Penn State's offensive line being a little bit better is going to clear the way for a running back who is ultra talented like Singleton to grab the running back job and and just go with it. And as a true freshman, Saquon Barkley had 1,076 rushing yards. I don't think Singleton gets to that point, but in the 700, 800 yard mark, I think that's totally reasonable. So I will go uh, with the over for this one and pick, you know, as the bonus pick, Nick Singleton is the guy. 
Okay. Nick? Yeah, so Kayvon Lee last year went for 530 yards, and I don't think Kayvon Lee was a good running back last year. I think he can be better, but I don't think he was that great last year. I think this is an easy over. I think Nick Singleton probably gets up somewhere around like 825, 850 yards. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see some another running back get around like the 450-yard range. So I, I don't think there would be a second guy necessarily that far away from also eclipsing this. I just I think this running game is going to be a whole lot better. So easy over. Okay. I'm going to go with... Uh... I'm going to go with the under just because I think there's too many mouths to feed. And I think we're sleeping on what kind of role Katron Allen is going to have. Uh, and then again, I think Cliff is going to, is going to get at least 250, 300 yards just on his own. Cause he's a pretty talented runner and I think they're going to run him more. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the, uh, the under here, not by much. Real quick before you move on now, I'm curious. I want to look back and see what Cliff's other rushing. Are. Okay. So Cliff had 402. 335, yep. 163. Okay. Yeah. 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 That, Fair that jives. Yeah. Okay. Final question of the night. And this is the one I think I'm most excited to talk about. And I'm most curious to hear Bill's thoughts, especially because Nick, you and I kind of touched on this uh, during the defensive backs preview. So we'll start with Bill. Bill, over under 59.5% of snaps with five defensive backs on the field. So I'm going to go under for basically two reasons. Ooh. One, one, I think this is just a really difficult thing to quantify, and it's so situational uh, that I just don't know if I want to bank on, for all intents and purposes, 60% of the snaps. B basically, Penn State's main look on defense being that. And then two, the part that interests me a little bit more here is the fact that Jonathan Sutherland has made the move to linebacker. So while I think Daquan Hardy is, you know, Daquan Hardy is one of the two or three best players on this defense. I think like I would take Jair wow. Brown over him and that might, you know, then maybe PJ Mustafer, but I think Daquan Hardy has proven to be a guy who just goes out, puts on his hard hat, goes to work and gives you a really reliable, you know, however many snaps a game. I'm interested in whether or not Jonathan Sutherland making the move to linebacker means that they are doing, they have that base four, three defense, but they're comfortable with Sutherland kicking out and being kind of a slot corner type of guy. So it, it, it's one of, again, the general thing is that it's a very situational look. Let's say they're right. playing a team like, you know, look, look back at that Michigan game last year and for whatever reason Penn State is just facing a lot of second and fours and third and twos they're not putting a defensive extra defensive back on the field in that situation you know other side of it though the Ohio State game they're going to have Daquan Hardy out there 85 percent of the time at the bare minimum yep. so I will take the under on this one I think there's just a lot of little factors that kind of stack on top of one another and when you take that many little factors that makes it just one big major overarching uh overarching thing for me. Okay. Nick, I think I know your answer. I I think I'm going to go over and I think I'm going to say over because if we're talking about, you know, to bring it back to that same point of Jonathan Sutherland, I kind of feel like the move was made to continue to give him a role with some importance. But I also think that Jonathan Sutherland is pretty much a known commodity at this point. And I, I do, and in a different way than like, you know, Keaton Ellis has been around for almost the same amount of time, right? But I think he, I think his move to safety is a bit different than Sutherland's move to linebacker. And I think that the move, the move for Sutherland was an effort to hide him a bit more. Um, I'm not I think he could very, we could very easily see him kick out and cover tight ends while he's on the field because you know, that's what a Sam linebacker does. Like that's the role. But I, I think, and I hope that James Franklin and Manny Diaz are very aware that the secondary is the most loaded group on this defense and that it would behoove them to get as many of them on the field as are, as is reasonably possible as much of the time. 
I just think that it makes much more sense for this defense to have Daquan Hardy or Jalen Reed or whatever combination of Zaki Wheatley and Keaton Ellis. I, I just think it makes more sense to have that extra defensive back as the extra piece on the field. Not in every situation, like if you're going up against, say, Michigan, and assuming Cade McNamara is still the primary quarterback for them, we know they're going to be run heavy. So that could be a situation where it makes more sense to have Sutherland, somebody who's a bit more of a, a downhill, downhill type player. But I think that they're I think that the offense has offenses have shifted enough in the Big Ten to demand expecting the pass more often than not. And I think that Penn State should and will play to their uh their talent base strength more and get the over on this number. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I think the over is pretty much a lock just because I, I think everybody would agree Jonathan Sutherland has done a lot of awesome things for the program. I would rather have Keaton Ellis, um, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, uh, those dudes on the field. Uh, and also there's no Iowa and no Wisconsin. So that bully ball style is not on the schedule this year. So I think, you know, you still have like a Michigan, you still have Northwestern, you still have that, but you don't have like the teams that uh, once you gain three yards and have games be over in two hours on the schedule. So Man, we really had easier. Wisconsin and Iowa's crossovers last year, didn't we? Wow. We did indeed. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Hmm. Well, that's all. That's all I have. Well done. Well done, gents. Very, very solid job. I will be tracking these throughout the course of the year, uh, and I will be uh, judging you based upon your picks. And listeners, you can do the same. And again, any issues, tweet at PSUMAT2005. Uh, by the time this hits uh, airwaves, it is going to be game week. So we should have a couple more podcasts coming out here, especially the uh, the always fun preview. Uh, thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Again, that's 15% off your first order with promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all caps. Be sure to subscribe on your podcast network of choice. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Uh, if you want to be really cool, give us your over-under picks in the comment of, the, uh, of your iTunes review. That's a cheap way to get likes, and I'm not above it. Uh, so as always, thank you so much for listening for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo. Uh, I had to put Bill first because saying his last name and my last name back to back sounds like hell. So for Bill DeFilippo, for Nick Polak, I'm Matt Filipovitz. Take care, everyone.